Hello, everyone. Um, this is the first, and we're going to try and get Magna to join. A little relaxing music until we get her in here. good I'm, I'm not good but um yeah it's uh, it's been a very intense last 30 minutes and i i just feel like i'm i'm kind of all kinds of discombobulated sure sure yeah. well welcome everyone to the very first live episode of mike and magna tilt together <laughs> you mean like every day <laughs> Um, so I'm just gonna, hopefully we get, I don't know, one listener, even At if least. we don't, it's still, <laughs> we're, like, we're talking anyway, we have a lot to talk about and we cut it short yesterday. Exactly. Um, it's so. a, it's a cathartic experience and, uh, cheaper than, uh, cheaper than a therapist. Well, for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to jump on it really quickly and just say that, even if it wasn't 2020 and it wasn't, you know, the, the, all the shit that we've been going through and this election looming and Trump, uh, uh, you know, potentially getting reelected, even if it wasn't that, this, um, I mean, I, I know that, you know, you followed her career and her life story, but I think you may not exactly be able to understand what she means for, you know, professional working women. Um, it, it's just, it's just one of those things that her passing would have been a blow at any given time. The last thing on my mind is, uh, that she's going to get replaced or they're going to pull a fast one and, you know, try to get someone confirmed before the election and all that stuff. That's not even like, not even the hundred thing on my list, but just the loss of someone like her who really has done so much to basically pave the way for people like me you know, little old me to do what I want to do and what I do in life. So it's just, it's just really big, this one, you know? Um, yeah. And if anybody that, is... All that other stuff aside. <laughs> and anyone is listening, if, if you haven't heard by now, uh, within the last hour, I believe, uh, it was announced that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed. Uh, so um, obviously... Uh, we're in a very precarious position right now in terms of the Supreme Court, who's on, who's not on, um, and uh, what's going to happen with the election. So this just adds, as if we needed more drama, right, and and more uh, fingernail biting. Uh, you know, this is this is it. So um, yeah, she was definitely a champion for gender equality. That was that was kind of her thing. Um, I think in the last few years that had just gotten supplanted by her, her toughness. Right. And just yeah. the hanging on and everybody wanting to keep in, you know, just put her in a plastic wrap bubble. 
Um, no, definitely. And, you know, I know that there have been other discussions about it as well, but, you know, it's she's been in the public eye and we know her and she's an icon. So we've followed her health crisis and her journey. But I, I have to say that this is what most women do. I think when uh, most women are diagnosed with, you know, these uh, uh, terminal cancers or, you know, even other health issues, they just kind of have to push through most of the time, you know, because where, how can you not? And you see that her struggle obviously became very public because I think she made that choice herself too, that she was going to share it with everyone because she saw, I believe, and now I might just be, you know, kind of, uh, you know, imagining all this, but I, I believe this to be true. But I think she saw that there was uh, there was a loss of confidence and that if the country was to see that, you know, she's kind of given in to this illness and she's retired because of it. I think that would have hurt the country's morale way more than you know, anything else can, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so so let's, let's talk a little bit about what the future might hold. So as you know, maybe um, about uh, four or five days ago, mm -hmm. uh, Trump released a list of... Oh, yeah. 20 mm -hmm. names um, that included, uh, among others, uh, Ted Cruz. Lion Ted Cotton. Cruz. Lion Ted Cruz. Um, um, crazy Tom Cotton. Tom crazy Cotton. Tom Cotton. Uh, I know the one name that's not on the list, but that might be something that they try to pull in uh, first thing as soon as he's reelected, if that happens, is going to be Bill Barr. That's my uh, conspiracy theory brain is that the, he's Barr. headed to the. I was thinking about it last night after listening to what Barr has been saying for the last two weeks, and then Robert Reich he posted something about it too, and I was like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. He's going to be appointed to the Supreme Court. That's what Trump is going to do. He's going to put Bill Barr on the Supreme Court. That's where this is headed. Otherwise. Why? I mean, I mean, there are many reasons why Bill Barr could be, you know, behaving and saying the things he's saying. But I think that's a pretty, uh, let's say, it won't be a surprising thing to me if Trump was to pull that one. Yeah. Well, I think obviously, uh, and we know now, right, that Mitch McConnell has already said that the situations between what he did with Gorsuch uh and now he's he's already saying he's oh, absolutely yeah. gonna fill the seat absolutely um, he hasn't released an official comment tonight but he has said previously that mm -hmm. if a vacancy comes about that he's he's going to go forward and nominate someone absolutely and they're going to they're going to do it and you know that nasty susan collins knowing that she probably has nothing to lose at this point will not be ambivalent on it either so she's going to go in all guns blazing and vote in favor of it because she's going to probably lose her her seat in maine anyway based on the polls that are coming out you know yesterday and today right well so, before we get into odds Anytime we do math, we're gonna do some math here. We're gonna. Do I, some I'm not gonna do any math. I'm. I'm. You're gonna do the math, and we're we, gonna debate we, your math. <laughs> we we are. Uh, it's gonna be Western math, by the way. Uh, oh, um, hey, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, we are. I I don't know about you, but I'm I'm doing a little comfort food thing here. Uh, mm -hmm. We have to talk a little bit of our, uh, our our alcohol because the alcohol I think is especially tonight is going to be a pretty key factor to, oh, to what's going Oh, we're going to go blotto tonight, Mike. So, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully we, can, <laughs> hopefully we can do that in a half hour. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good. I've got potato chips. I've got jelly beans. I've got a slice of pizza, cold pizza. And then I've got uh, cherry Dr. Pepper and rum. And um, What kind of rum? Oh, some trash rum. Yeah. Sailors I don't believe rum. you. You have zero alcohol in your hands right now. I no, I, I no, that was our deal. There was gonna be alcohol. <laughs> so Well, I 
I've started with the with my roommate and I started with uh, Modelo's, and then I've got a rosé chilling in the fridge. So I'm going to drown myself in that bottle tonight for sure. Got it. That deserves a uh, sound effect. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let's let's talk through. Let's talk about. I'll be the optimist and you be the pessimist. Okay. Oh wow. Um, okay, I'll try. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna say there's how many days are what? What is tomorrow gonna be? Forty five, forty six days until November third. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So the average um, SCOTUS vote, like days from the day where they're first nominated to the actual final vote, um, since 1974, the average of that is 67 days. So Throw it out the window, Mike. Any precedent, just throw it out the window. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're feeling like the odds are decent that, that you're going to that they're going to have a nomination and a vote prior to the third? I will not be surprised if they do, because in my mind, here, here's, what, here's what my mind is saying. They are going to, okay, so this could also be like, one, I know that he's got probably five Hail Marys up his sleeve between now and November 3rd, Trump and his camp. But this one might be the one that he thinks, his camp thinks, might be the one that if there are these people who are on the fence, conservatives on the fence about him, this might be the one thing that brings them back into the fold and makes them vote for him. Because now he's not only going to say, I'm going to fill this, but then look at how quickly I'm going to do it. And look at how quickly as soon as I am, uh, you know, after the inauguration happens, I'm going to fill, uh, you know, whatever else. And I'm going to keep making these things happen and give us four more years and you'll have a hundred percent conservative you know, bench and shit like that. So I believe that we have to absolutely not look at precedent for anything. We cannot, because what has gone along with precedent, when you look at the confirmation hearings and the candidacy of Brett Kavanaugh last year, had that ever happened to that ex extent of accusation uh, witness, uh, credible witness, uh, you know, uh, senators on the Republican side uh, trying to decide whether they can do the right thing or not. It has never happened before. What has happened before? What is the one major thing in this presidency that has followed precedent? I mean, there's nothing. So I don't buy the math. The math is accurate, of course. I'm not challenging it, but I'm saying that I will not be surprised if they make it happen. Is the so, Senate even in session or are they on a break again? I don't even know. I haven't been paying that much attention. Um, let me look that up. I know they were taking a break. Yeah, that's what last I'd heard, but um, I don't know if they are. But I don't know. I feel like the, this whole issue of uh, Supreme Court judges is like one of the last remaining bastions that represents pure conservatism in this country. Because if you have conservative judges, then in a way it kind of takes care of all the issues that are still uh, election issues, like abortion, like now, you know, healthcare, like, uh, you know, taxes, like all the election-based issues. Because this candidate has uh, kind of told conservatives that, look, I may not be the, you know, I may not look and behave like a conservative candidate, but at least I'm filling the Supreme Court with people who are conservative, so you can ignore me and ignore my my antics. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's not it's um it's not about a conservative court. It's about making abortion illegal. Well, but uh, one I mean, they're doesn't tied. happen without the other. They're I mean, yes, but the real message and the real thing is this is this is our chance to end abortion in America. Right. And uh, I don't know what to say, but the Senate is going to do his bidding. That is certain. Right. I mean, Mitch McConnell at this point, I know that 
you know, Amy McGrath is gaining traction, but she is so far away from any real chance at defeating him that right. it's just not going to happen. So he's virtually guaranteed the next six years, after which he's probably going to retire because he, he's probably up there in his 70s also. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. But so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at the calendar, and mm -hmm. I think it's been adjusted because of COVID, but it actually says they're in session for this next week coming up, and then they're in session from, like, the 30th of September to the 9th of October. So that's basically uh, eight days. Um, hey, they'll and, extend it. They'll extend it. Well, the problem, the problem, and then it's done until after the election. They're off until mm -hmm. after the election. I think again, trying to look on the positive side, you have you have all these senators that are running for election, whether they're in a toss-up state or not in a toss-up state or whatever they're doing. They they want to be out there campaigning. They want to be on the ground, knocking on doors, making TV ads, you know, doing assemblies. The last thing they want to do is be in D.C., you know, going through all these, you know, committees and witnesses and, you know, yada, 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 and tying them up right before an election. Nobody wants to do that, I don't think, on either side. So I know, you know, I in my but, head. But think about it this way, that it also if if they decide that they were going to do that, then the Democrats who have close races are not able to do that. So that also works for the Republicans. So who already have a majority? So I was if they lose a couple of the senators who have a close, who potentially have a close call on November third. They may gain others by virtue of the fact that the Democrats can't be out there, you know, boots on the ground. So, so I anticipated that argument. Hmm. <laughs> okay. And so, according to the Cook Political Report, mm -hmm. which I think is a fairly accurate, nonpartisan sort of analysis. One of the benefits of this year that we were, you know, Democrats were excited about was the fact that there were only 12 Democratic seats that are up for election, mm -hmm. but there's 23 Republican seats that are up for election. And in terms of the Democratic seats, the, the only Senate Democrat currently that is listed as either a toss-up or a lean Republican uh, meaning they're in jeopardy, right, yeah. is is Jones from Alabama, Doug Jones. Yeah, but he's kind of been scraping by for the last couple of elections, right? I, I understand that. But if you then go to the 23 held seats that are held by the Republicans, in the lean or the toss-up category, they've got Arizona with McSally, mm -hmm. Colorado with Gardner, Georgia with Purdue, Iowa for Ernst, Maine with Collins, Montana with Danes, and North Carolina for Tillis. Um, so I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think it's as easy to just say they're not, they're not going to care. Mm -hmm. um, especially those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, senators. Republican senators that are fighting for their spot. Um, because the other thing that it does, if you nominate prior to the election, you're going to have to have a vote. Like if that's the goal is to get them. Oh, sure, yeah. You have to have a vote. And I can guarantee you none of those seven uh, uh, senators want, want to make a dis divisive decision uh regarding a, a Supreme Court justice. So I I don't I don't know that it's super likely. I hope you're right. I, I really do hope you're right. Um, but I, it definitely her passing definitely makes this a big issue that Trump is going to turn into a rally cry for his supporters that okay now you know this is real. Now she's gone, and now look at this vacancy that I'm going to fill with the truest conservatives that this country has ever seen. I already picked two in my last term, and just see how quickly I'm going to get this done. So let's let's go to the next scenario. And the next scenario is that the election happens, Trump loses, and files a whole bunch of lawsuits, 
And in that period from November 3rd to January, whatever, he tries to nominate someone else or he tries to nominate the judge during his lame duck period. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, it's a gross violation of norms, but mm -hmm. that has never stopped him. Exactly. But I think that if that's the case, Mike, I do, well, and I may be completely wrong, but I do, I do think that if that's the case and if he's challenging the results of the election, I think people like Mitch McConnell might might take a step back at that point and not blindly support him, I think. Because, you know, even if he does do that, it's not going to be like Gore Bush, right? It's going to be a very different scenario because it's, uh, it's not going to be... I don't think that this election is going to come down to, you know, a few thousand votes. I, I think that if he loses, he's going to lose overwhelmingly. And I think that if he wins, he'll scrape by. But if he loses, he's going to lose big time. That that's that's my thinking right now. That the only way that he can lose is if uh, we get you know I'm X percent of new voters who are voting Biden Harris, and if we get X percent of past Trump voters who are voting Biden Harris or not voting Trump. You know what I mean? So. I can't see a scenario in which he wins overwhelmingly unless some really dark shit happens, like the October surprise that everybody's kind of waiting for anyway, you know, the Comey, uh, Hillary Clinton kind of thing. But I, I, it, if you are looking at the polls, it's not looking like he can make up the difference that is showing right now especially in the swing states. If you look at the polls, I am completely jaded by the polls. I never want, I never will believe any poll after what happened in 2016. So, but so that's, a, that's actually a myth, a little bit of a myth. Um, at the, in the final days of the polls, everybody says, oh, the polls were wildly wrong, blah, 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 blah. Um, but if you look at the, um, the poll aggregators, uh, it, they were within the margin of error, right? Um, in, in terms of uh, Trump winning or Hillary winning. And then the second thing is almost all of those polls were national polls, right? And national polls, if even if she won the national polls by, by three points, right? Mm -hmm. It's it still, that equates to her 3 million person win, but right. she still loses the electoral. So you're right. right to not really put all your faith in the polls, but it is a little bit of a myth that, that the polls were incredibly wrong. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the electoral college polling right now. Right. There are states where Clinton was not like ahead ahead. You know, she may have been in the margin of error ahead with Trump, but uh, Biden right now is like significantly outside of the margin of error ahead, right? I mean, you know what these states are. I'm going to misstate it because I don't, I can't no. recall that quickly, but there are specific states that Clinton didn't have a significant edge or a clear victory ahead of her that he is already significantly ahead on. Is it the states like, what would those states be? Uh, so those states would be Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, well, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. um, and then less likely would be like Florida, yeah. uh, Georgia, North Carolina. Um, you know, and then and then you get into the ones that are sort of more Republican-y, um, Iowa, Ohio, Texas. Like they're close, but they'll they'll probably go Republican. I think Texas is is going to stay very close for I'm going to say the next couple of elections before it turns blue. But I think that's steadily been happening. And believe it or not, I believe that a lot of it is a consequence of master planning, whether you believe that or not. Uh, I think because it's because of the demographic shift and movement from. Uh, let's say, movement of East and West Coast elites into Texas who take their vote blocks with them. And I, I still don't think that Texas is going blue this election, but it's freaky how close it looks. Like when you look at 
the polling again, it looks closer than it's ever been in history, right? I mean, look at what's happening in Arizona as well. For the last 43 years, they haven't voted blue, right? Something like that. But the, the difference is, and, and Beto obviously got really close, but the difference is, honestly, that um, Texas is a deeply religious state. There's a whole lot of churches in Texas. And if this election, it, it, it was, this election was a referendum on Trump. It's now a referendum on abortion. Well, now after uh, Ginsburg's passing, even more so. I think tomorrow we're right. going to wake up to polling that's saying very different things. It's right. going to become top of top of mind issue again, and I'm telling you, it's because of that Supreme Court appointment. Yeah, it, it's going to become the only thing he talks about. He's probably already talking about it, and I'm not looking because I don't follow him on. Twitter or Facebook or anything, but it's probably already happening. They have mapped out the scenario. It is so curious that this list that he produced with all the names on it came out just, what, 10 days ago? Uh, yeah, 10 days. So obviously he had his ear to the ground because, you know, she has been in decline and she has had some setbacks this year, but it was 10 days ago that that list came out. Right. So so, so let's yeah. let's go through, because it's not just... Ginsburg. Mm. Obviously, we have the Ginsburg seat, right? Mm. But let's go through some of the other ages. Clarence Thomas is 72 years old. Stephen Breyer is 82 years old. Uh, Samuel Alito, 70. Sonia Sotomayor, 66. And then uh, they get younger. Mm. Um, even Justice uh, Roberts is 65. Yeah, and but, Kagan is young. Kavanaugh is young. Fa fairly. Fairly, yeah. yeah. But Breyer is old, uh, 82, and, and Thomas is getting up there at 72. So you could have, you know, three with, three and again, they replace yeah. them with younger people, right, in their 50s. Yeah. Uh, so you can get 30 plus years out of them. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, she was on the bench for 27, right? So she was older than some of the other judges when she was appointed. Yeah. So, so if let's say Breyer and Thomas retire in the next four years, if if uh, Trump wins, you know, that leaves basically Sotomayor and Kagan as the only liberals on the bench. Right. So it's it's a seven to two dominant Supreme Court edge. Right. And that's where it's headed. And you know what? There can be, I think that there are deals to be made with the 82 year olds about stepping down, like the way it happened with, with uh, Kennedy. Right. Because we think that we, you know, it never got the attention that I think it deserved in the press. But the fact, it was very curious that his stepping down coincided with his son's elevation in these ventures that he was pursuing. Right, and there's scuttlebutt that behind the scenes, uh, it was an agreement between him and Trump that if he did step down, that Trump would nominate Kavanaugh. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, yeah. Again, ugly and weird. You know, it's just, I feel like this over and over and over again, you know, the Democrats are the adults in the room, right? Mm. Like we're, we're the constrained, um, play by the rules, you know, uh, don't do, you know, stuff that's obviously, you know, unethical or out of bounds. Um, but it's, it's getting really tiring to, to be playing that role. We keep, we keep losing. It, it is. And, you know, I think that that's the Trump factor too, that the four years under Trump has been so exhausting that I don't believe that the four, first four years of George W. Bush's administration was this exhausting despite two wars raging. I, no, I really it, it feel was, like the fatigue yeah. that's come from, he's worn us down. I, I literally woke up this morning thinking that, you know what, 
he's if he does get reelected, then you know what's the scenario? What changes? What affects us as a community? What affects my family? What affects what affects you know? I mean, I'm I'm already subliminally getting the messaging that I need to be prepared for that. And you know, it it's not going to be. I don't believe there's going to be civil war if he doesn't get elected, you know, there might be, you know, some yahoos out with their guns making mischief in places where they make mischief anyway. But I don't think that the world is going to stop turning. But I think the four years is going to be a very, very, very tough four years. And I believe that, again, this is like extreme conspiracy theorist uh, thinking in normal times, but we don't live in normal times. I really do think that he will be on his way to be a perpetual president because he's going to dump Mike Pence on his ass. He's going to bring Ivanka Trump in as vice president. He's going to install his oligarchy permanently into these positions because if he has four, four more years, they have perfected the art of making things work for them, them being this American oligarchy that we've all been watching being formed over the last four years. And that's the real scandal, I think, in the last four years. It's been the establishment of, look at the people who are running all of the, uh, you know, look at the cabinet members, look at the people and who and what and what organizations they're associated with. And it's uh, it's pretty interesting because you and I talked about it briefly yesterday. I'm now on my fourth, uh, you know, Trump-related book, and this one happens to be the one by Bob Woodward, Rage. And this is the first book that's really, really affecting me. And I thought it was going to make me angry, but it's not making me angry. It's actually giving me a really serious reality check. That first chapter in which he talks about how Rex Tillerson was solicited and installed, that is like the scariest thing you will ever read because they knew exactly what kind of a person they wanted, what they wanted done, and they got the right person in for the job. Rex Tillerson was more surprised than anyone else that he actually got confirmed. Right. And that happened. Look at Betsy DeVos. Look at what she represents. I mean, look at uh, Louis DeJoy. I mean, look at... So the real scandal has always been this setting up uh, of this American oligarchy, you know, Azerbaijan style, I'll call it. And because that's the one that I know something about, so I can confidently say that that's the model, more or less. And I feel like in the next four years, it's going to be completely solidified. So, so let's flip that scenario a bit. Let's say you said you said if if Biden wins, you don't think there's going to be like a civil war or anything. They'll just honk their horns and wave their Trump flags, but they'll eventually go away. Yeah, but I, I say that, but I also know, Mike, that. I think we can almost look at a map, you and I and most people, and we can point to where those pockets of so-called, in quote, civil war trouble is going to be. Right. I don't think the whole country is going to drop what they're doing and say we don't accept the results of this election. And I'm going to pretty confidently say that states like Texas are not going to be marching in the streets, destroying their own economy just for Trump to come back. It's going to be, and I'm just going to say it, because I think one person is listening. <laughs> we, may, we may have lost them. I think, I think it's going to be, you know, maybe Alabama or, you know, Arkansas or, I don't know, places that, you know, kind of are their worst enemies anyway. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's going to be civil war, but I think... And I I really don't think that Trump is going to be able to have this prolonged litigation. Who pays for that? Does the government, does the taxpayer pay for that litigation? Who who paid for the challenge to Bush? Bush Bush and his his private lawyer team. Right. So I don't think that Trump is going to be able to spend that money. The one thing that came out of me reading Michael Cohen's book, I'm yeah. telling you, that was like the biggest piece of shit 
reading I've ever put myself through, but I really wanted to get into the head of someone who, you know, uh, completely prostrated himself to this man. So I'm glad I read it. The one thing you understand is this guy does not like spending money. And I know in my conspiracy theorist brain, the reason why he doesn't like spending money is because he has no money to spend. I believe that the Saudis own everything he says he owns. I believe that he gets a licensing franchise type of fee for putting his ugly letters of his name on buildings in these up and coming nation building societies where people think that the Trump name means something because he's been on television and everybody recognizes him and he's a billionaire and they buy into the the bullshit basically. But I don't believe that he has the money to spend. I believe even the uh, Fifth Avenue apartment that he lives in is owned by the Saudis and they pay him money so that they can use his name on their buildings. Yeah, but but uh, it doesn't have to be his money. I think the GOP, if they see an opportunity to win, he's going to get flooded with GOP dollars. I don't think they'll do that, Mike, because I think that I think that's... the way that he has also subjugated these people, brought them to their knees, I think that if they win their Senate seats and if the Mitch McConnells and the Lindsey Grahams still get to hold on to power for a lot longer, which, you know, six years is a lifetime in this world. And they are going to see an opportunity to still hold power, especially if they keep the Senate and get rid of this guy. They have lived through so many Democrat presidents that they don't care if they don't have a president in power. Of course, it helps to have it. But I I believe that they might even have this opportunity to grow back a spine, I think. I, uh, I think you're overly optimistic. I think it all comes back down to... Wasn't I supposed to be the pessimist? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's optimism, and then there's cuckoo optimism. That's, <laughs> you know, expecting Mitch McConnell to uh, rise up against Trump. No, but I don't I, think I, it's about rising up. I think uh, I'm, I'm after this Michael Cohen book, I'm just... I feel like his uh, revelation of who Trump is at his core basically convinced me that I had it right about him all along in terms of who he is, and it's no surprise. But I I really feel like all these, uh, you know, the countries that might be funding him in some way and these kingdoms that might be funding him in some way, I don't think even they're going to give him money. And the GOP in this pandemic, how are they going to be able to justify to the taxpayer that now they're spending money on litigating an election. I mean, it also ma- it also matters what the margin of the uh, loss is. Again, if it's overwhelming, then I, what I do you litigate? If, I think if the GOP or Trump or any of these nations actually cared about optics, we we would have seen that a long time ago. It's, but Mike, it's I think obvious. they care. I'm telling you, it's the Trump factor that has made them completely subjugate themselves because they don't want to be humiliated in public. I mean, this is a man, look at the power and the the talent of this man. He, look at the shit he said about Ted Cruz. I mean, just, just think back to the crap he said. He called his wife fat and ugly. He said that his father assassinated JFK. He said that he was a lying sack of shit. And now look at where he has Ted Cruz. He has him exactly where he wants him. But Ted Cruz, I believe he is a politician and he's smart enough to know that he can still survive and have a career, a long career in politics with a shot at the presidency later, maybe the next cycle, if Trump is not in power. I think if all these people who have presidential aspirations, they know that if Trump comes back this time, they don't have a shot at the presidency because he ain't never leaving. I think... Um... I think the fact that 90% of registered Republicans still support Trump after four years means, means that you're, you're wrong. But let me, let me ask you, I've got to ask you, <laughs> okay. what, uh, what, is, what if you flip that script? So mm-hmm. let's say um, Trump wins by a hair. Mm-hmm. And there's accusations of like the mail-in ballots and, you know, the, the voting booths being removed and you know endless lines and people not being able to vote etc etc like 
the the stereotypical Democrat is just going to sit there on Facebook and like whine about it. I don't right? think so. I don't think so. Not this time. I'm well, like, what are we going to do? They, like, what? Exactly what you said that Camp Trump was going to do. I think they're going to litigate it. I mean, even Al Gore took it all the way to the end of January. Well, and this time, they, I think people like me, Democrats like me, hardcore yeah. liberals are not going to allow the yeah. party to but, accept, a, 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 you know, but, like a small margin win. But, but Mingna, who, who is the ultimate decider in a litigation? The Supreme Court. Right. Right. So. Which I mean, is now five to three conservative. Sure. But again, you kind of have to put that aside for a moment and look at what happened recently on how the court tilted when the law is so evident that these men who have to have another 30 years on the court cannot lose their reputations over being what so subservient to one president. But, but losing their reputation to half the country means... And conscience. I mean, being... Roberts has a conscience. I believe that that man actually does follow the law. He might be a conservative on paper, but I don't believe that he is going to just do... Uh, you know, pass a judgment or put his vote down just to appease Trump. I don't believe he's going to do that. I mean, call me wildly optimistic for that, but he has proven that time and again. Has he not? Yeah, but this is different. I, 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 I understand, but I'm not ready to give in to that yet. There will be litigation. I think it, it comes down to the margin of the victory for either candidate. I think the same is true. I think that they are going to evaluate how large the margin of the victory, the loss is, and then they are going to decide. And I think that the Democratic Party is going to put their money behind the litigation. I don't believe the GOP is going to do that. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain that, but I, I, really... I don't. I don't think it, it costs... You know, for $20 million, you can hire a bunch of lawyers for a couple of months easy, right? It's not it's not that much money. I don't, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't. Yeah, um, but, but it, uh, how, can, how can the Republican Party pay for that? I mean, I, I, actually, now I'm very curious. Well, not, not, not Bush like, paid not, for it from his personal funds, right? Like campaign funds. No. I mean, you can you can set up a legal fund, and anybody in America can donate. Oh, sure. So let's, but let I don't know the answer to this. So help me out. Did did Al Gore's campaign pay for that? I don't or believe did so. I the, don't believe so. Did the Democratic Party pay for that? I I don't think I don't think it was official by either party. I think it was done off of either personal or fundraising, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. It, it does matter because look no. at what the motivation was at that time as well. Al Gore. You don't, you don't running... think, you don't, you don't think Putin would give Trump $20 million on even a one to 10 shot at being president. I don't see how he gives him that money, Mike. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Why how not? Does, how, how you does he a, give him that money? You set up a legal fund. In the U.S., like you know, completely He gets one of his uh, half Russian, half American buddies to to put twenty million in, and then like the you don't think the Koch brothers or uh, Sheldon Adelson or any of the other billionaire conservatives? I don't think they won't scrape do together. That. I don't, I don't think so. I don't see a scenario in which, unless it's a significant, if it's a very, very narrow victory, I don't think they're going to do that. Otherwise, wouldn't, I mean... But you don't, uh, you don't think they're going to do that because, A, you think they're going to grow conscience. And no, B, not, not the Sheldon Adamson's. They don't have the conscience. And, they don't, or B, they're not burdened by conscience or the Right. So do you remember the last thing that Cohen said in his book, Disloyal. Remind me. He said, I will tell you what, no matter what, Trump is not going to leave the White yeah. House willingly. Of course. And there are a lot of people who've been saying that. And, you know, uh, the one who's been saying that for the longest time 
and nobody was taking him seriously three years ago when he was saying it was Bill Maher. But right. now everybody's saying it. So I, I, I hear you. I, I see that. But I also think that, I don't know, I, 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 I think your optimism is getting the better of you. But so let's end it there. <laughs> let's end it on a positive, a positive no positive. Where's the positive? <laughs> let's, let's just, and, and we got to do the wrap up. Um, my Dr. Pepper and rum, to be honest, hang on, I'm going to take another sip. I want my I second Modelo, so. I, I, I like could a, go for hours. <laughs> I, I did a really hefty split um, uh -huh. of rum, and I can't even taste it, so I love it. So this is my perfect my perfect alcoholic drink is something that gets me you drunk. Can't even taste it <laughs> in a in a short amount of liquid, but uh, but I can't taste it. Well, good um, for you, Mike. So let's let's we got to give the people something good. What is something good out in the world that you're watching or reading? or listening to that might cheer people up a little bit who are struggling right now. Okay, so. Crickets. Did you watch, no, I'm speaking. Did you watch the town hall with Joe Biden yesterday? I did, I watched that one and I watched the Trump one. So I didn't watch the Trump one, I watched the Biden one. I decided when I started watching it that I wasn't going to, I was just going to listen to it like it was on the radio and I wasn't going to watch it. And I know that there's a lot of bluster this morning about how, you know, he had softball questions and stuff like that. I think that I actually, for the first time, felt a little less nervous about his candidacy because I am very nervous about his candidacy. Uh, full disclosure, I did not vote for him in the primaries. Uh, Facebook reminds me uh, every day <laughs> the, for the last week how I just wanted Joe to go away. Uh, but then I have to kind of humble myself and say I was also wrong in 2008 because uh, Barack Obama was not my candidate of choice. Howard Dean was, and when he imploded, then Hillary Clinton was, and then when Obama became the nominee is when he became my candidate. So the similar thing happened to me this time, but what I heard Joe say, and I believe I believe he said the things that I want to hear, and I yeah. think that's the things that people who are still perhaps, I don't believe anyone is on the fence. If they're on the fence, they're lying and they're voting for Trump, but they're just too embarrassed to say it. That's what I think. But I, I feel like people need to hear someone sound presidential again. And I think he, he, sound, he said the right words. Now, to me, he appears very frail. I think every time I see him, he appears more and more frail. He sounds a little... You know, he sounds like a 78, 79-year-old man. And I think Trump is going to take advantage of that more and more as time goes by. But I think that I felt good about what I heard him say yesterday. I don't yeah. feel good enough to say that, hey, Joe's going to win and it's going to be an overwhelming victory. But I think that people who support him, people who think that he is what this country needs and people who believe in him and who have lived through, you know him being this special good man and this country seems to have for forgotten what a good man, a good politician looks like. I think it was good what he did last night. And he was very, very coherent on some of the technical bits like, you know, about vaccines and how they'll become available. So I think, I think that was good last night, I, but I didn't listen to the Trump town hall because I cannot, you know, and that's my biggest failure as a human and a voter that I cannot even stand to look at his face. So I'm not, listening to anything he's saying. But I thought that was good. Okay. I, I'm, gonna go a, I'm gonna go in a little bit different direction. And I think it's gonna mm -hmm. be really interesting, FYI. We are 10 days, 11 days from the first debate. I think Trump's not gonna show up for the debate. That's he's gonna, thing. he's obviously, he's gonna show up. Um, so he's not this, out. so not the, again, your, your optimism pill. Um, <laughs> so, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday is the first debate. And I think that will be momentous, yeah. comparing and contrasting them uh, right there in real time. Um, but my thing is on HBO, there's a special called Coastal Elites. And 
it's really well done. Um, I knew you were going to rub my nose in that. I saw that on HBO and I put it on my list and I was like, Mike's going to say something to me about that. It's a good, (laughs) it's a good show. And if you want to laugh a little bit, uh, it's a bunch of liberal self deprecating humor. Um, (laughs) you know, but there's some real content there as well. Um, so I like it. Uh, okay, but, it's on my list. I'm gonna okay. watch it. All right, I think that does it. We hit the 50 minute mark. We survived. I'm not. It drunk. did. And again, just uh, rest in peace, phone. RBG. This is like uh, a really yeah. big loss today. You know, we all kind of expected it, but I think I, I'm myself and many, many, many hundreds of thousands of women in this country who do everything they do every day and are able to have careers and have families and have children and, you know, have some fun while they're at it and have a sense of being and a sense of pride about, and, uh, you know, a lower level of guilt perhaps to leave their children and their homes behind every morning. I think that they have her to thank for what she trailblazed for all of us. So I think other than the fact that as a jurist and as a, as a person who you know was a part of the legal community, just as a woman who kind of broke every every barrier possible, I think she she is going to be missed. But I feel like she's leaving behind enough enough uh, people who are going to take that legacy forward. So I'm I'm optimistic about that. But let's not fill the Supreme Court with the William Bars and the Ted Cruz's and the Tom Cottons. So help us, whoever's listening. So um, that doesn't happen. So for both of our listeners, um, this is going to be a semi-regular <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. We are going to do, do this. it every day, but that might be not a every much, day. So. Not every day. I can't do it every day. <laughs> Maybe it's every I'll, Friday happy hour or I'll something. I'll be an alcoholic. But yeah, during this week, we're going to just comment on current news, uh, different situations, and hopefully we won't have anything as ungodly depressing as, uh, as today's uh, news. So with that, yeah. I will turn it up. Magna, I'm going to say goodbye. Magna, do you want to? Hey, this was fun, Mike. Let's do this again really soon. You got it. All, All right. right, everybody. Great talking to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> <nice>. Bye. <laughs> Bye.